Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast with the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian jero and with me today we have robin Barr. bye bye we also have bill graham <laughs> and with us today a special guest to talk about the movie red rocket uh hey i guess that was the intro for me so no hey. i was yeah, expecting that someone would <laughs> would take the bait of me saying Red Rocket in the way that they say Red Robin. But no uh, one did it. No one did it. Sad. Anyway, it's Matthew Post. Yum. Thank you, Bill. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Fucking yeah, so you. late that I'd already introduced So inappropriate for this movie. <laughs> I know, that's the problem. Um, but yes, our guest today, Matthew Post. Matthew, what's up? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about Red Rocket. Hell Yeah. Uh, would yeah. you like to uh, introduce yourself to our listening audience? Yes, please. So um, my name's Matt Post. I am a director and a producer. Um, I'm out here in LA right now. I've done kind of run the whole gamut of film production. Uh, I've had a couple movies in theaters as a writer, which was pretty cool. Um, I've worked a lot in commercial the commercial space with, uh, you know, all the big ad agencies, all the big um, clients, Citibank, Chase, whatever, what have you. Um, now uh, I'm selling projects still through my production company and kind of taking stuff on that really means something to me, um, financing and shooting a film this year called The Blues According to Royal Richie, which is um, a drama that has to do with uh, mental health and working through all those issues um, and got a couple other things on the docket. But uh, I also have a streaming platform for independent and foreign movies, mostly uh, festival films from big European festivals. So uh, that's what's been taking up most of my time these days. Um, you know, 90% of my time is devoted towards running this startup streaming platform. So um, it's called underrated. You can check it out at watchunderrated.com and um yeah, would love to have you and, you know, build the independent film community back up. So uh, up front, I got to ask. Yeah. And I, I am a guy who I did a thing that a lot of people do. Like I, uh, people will say like, oh, you know, what we should do is we should start a restaurant or we should like start a band. And me and my friend, we started a distillery, which I feel like mm. is one of those things. We're like, oh, brewery. Oh, we made our own beer and it was pretty good once. But like we did it. And so people constantly are like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> How the hell do you start a streaming service? Like, oh. you just like wake up and you're like, oh, okay, I'll register that domain. And um, yeah, that's, that's super easy. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a really good question, man. I mean, like, you know, the, the inception is just, I go to a lot of film festivals and I know there's a, you know, firsthand that there was a lot of talent out there and a lot of films that never really make it you know, I mean, before it was in theaters, but now it's even on streaming platforms or they're, they're kind of dying out the indie films. Um, and I wanted to do it as a hobby. So, you know, and just make sure that all these like freshman and sophomore films that I would see at like, 
you know, Talon Black Knights or Locarno or Calarvi Vary, you know, all the all the bigger European film festivals mostly um, had a home. And then I did a lot of research. I watched God knows how many movies to make sure that the inventory was there. And I wasn't just like looking at the film industry with rose colored glasses, you know, um, and turns out there is a lot of undiscovered talent out there. So I raised a little bit of money and started doing it like a tech startup. I have, you know, a tech partner and we have the apps coming out next week. So this, you know, this is really good timing. Um, I have a hundred plus titles. I'll have another hundred plus in the next six weeks or so. And they're all just really solid independent and foreign films with great, you know, festival credentials. Um, and it's just a shame. Most of them are new releases and have never been seen in the States before. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously the story's a lot longer than that, but I think that's the, uh, that's the gist. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, it's, it's kind of perfect that we have you on for Red Rocket, uh, because this is a movie by, uh, Sean Baker, who many people may have first heard of as the guy who shot a movie on an iPhone. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So that DIY spirit is suffuse throughout the very marrow of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good word. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's why yeah. I'm the host. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's literally yeah, yeah. my only qualification is like, yeah, Brian could talk for a while without stopping. It's got well, big words. You have a dictionary next to you. I know it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sitting here with a dictionary. Unfortunately, one of these days I'm accidentally going to bring the rhyming dictionary and then I'm going to turn into Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh man. <laughs> it, I'll hate myself, but we'll get 400 million views. So yeah, exactly. Right. You'll definitely go viral, but um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about Sean, man. I mean, he's uh, listen, the first thing I'll say for sure about the film is that uh, that spirit, man, I mean, he's keeping it alive. He has access to bigger budgets and bigger actors, you know, and he's just, he's doing the thing. And I, I really do appreciate that. So um, yeah, no, he's, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll talk. Yeah, about yeah, it. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to do it. Uh, before we do that though, the usual stuff, uh, you can find us on Twitter at film stage show, Facebook, the film stage show. And uh, you can email us podcast at filmstage.com. You can become a patron of this podcast by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show and uh, giving us $1 an episode. That'll get you access to our Slack channel where you can talk to us. And, uh, you know, some someone today asked just a question on the Slack and it has resulted in a, a storm of movie recommendations. <laughs> so so uh, if you want to be a part of a group that's like that, check it out. Go to patreon.com slash the film stage show. And of course, we are brought to you by a different streaming service, a streaming service called Mubi. Uh, Mubi is a streaming service that curates films from all over the globe of every level of budget and mastery. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. Whether it's a Thomas Classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to be either a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. So you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch. And instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, there's some interesting stuff on Mubi right now. And for this reason, I've chosen uh, to talk about Chelsea Walls. Um, this is Ethan Hawke's film. Actor Ethan Hawke takes the director's chair for this compelling ensemble piece from the millennial boom of mini-DV productions. Filmed in New York's iconic Chelsea Hotel with an all-star cast that includes Richard Linklater, exclamation point. 
Chelsea Walls mounts an Ultiman-esque mosaic of intersecting lives. Speaking of the DV boom, the mini DV boom, someone on our Slack, which again, patreon.com slash show, was asking about tape earlier this week. And that was the first time anyone had really brought up tape in a while. So I was excited. Yeah, everybody that. kept fucking talking about that movie. I, I've never even movie. heard of this thing. I feel like I've brought it up on this podcast or possibly just in the Slack, but I know I've talked about tape. It's got a, it's got Wilson from House in it. Um, and Ethan Hawke, I'm pretty sure. And Uma Thurman. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Movie. Robert Sean you. Leonard? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for remembering that name. <laughs> I was I like, was yeah, you know, you know his face? <laughs> you got his face, right? Like, you know, everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's the guy who fucking kills himself in the Dead Poets Society. Spoiler for that movie. But anyway. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Have you never seen that movie? No. I don't feel bad. That movie is 30 Christ forsaken years old. I just put it on my movie list this Mm. week because we watched a movie with him in it. And I was like, oh, you know what? I've never seen Dead Poets. I'm sorry. Are you you being serious right now? Are you actually trying to make me feel bad for spoiling Dead Poets Society? Yeah. It's not going to work. You should have fucking seen it already. (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel personally attacked by this conversation. That's good. I hope you still watch it and you come back and you say that you cried anyway. Ugh, now I'm going to anti-cry on this movie. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> uh, that'll also be cool. I'm totally fine with that. Anyway, let's wrap up the movie plug. Uh, you can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30 trial. Again, that's mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30 trial movie. Okay, that's that. Um, so that's uh, we're done with all that stuff. We can actually talk about the movie that we're here to talk about, which is Red Rocket, which again is directed by Sean Baker, who previously did Tangerine and The Florida Project. And uh, this movie stars Simon Rex as uh, a washed up porn star who comes home to make good, but not really that good. Uh, here is a snippet of the trailer. You said you're never gonna step a foot in Texas again. I know, this is unexpected. Oh, nothing with you is unexpected. Your last job is over 17 years ago. That's quite a gap. Well, you know, I've worked almost every day for the last 17 years. I moved back in with my wife last week. Don't call the cops! Really? Eight? We decided to make a run of it. I just need a place to crash for a couple of days. What's the big deal? Nike, go fuck yourself! Right, look, I'm gonna be straight with you. I'm an adult film actor. All right, so that is the trailer for Red Rocket. This film is uh, out now, and uh, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to say something. Uh, this might get cut. The, the The quality on this YouTube trailer looks a lot better than the DVD that I got from them. And I don't know what to make of that. You know, I I streamed it about 30 minutes before this uh <laughs> this podcast um but the stream didn't look that the stream didn't look that good either from like directly from a24 so, so maybe they know. maybe they like cleaned it up for the youtube trailer and like it's actually like gritty did anyone see this in theaters no i did oh okay did it did it did it kind of have like a dv kind of graininess to it like a real being sort of like an indie grainy but nothing okay because the the youtube video looks super clean so like that's that's kind of that was blowing my mind all right interesting all right well i'm gonna keep this in you know why because the aesthetics of this movie 
play into my my feelings towards it and i think having that uh that context is going to be kind of interesting it's also especially like as we're as we're pulling out of this pandemic and i know people are going to crucify me for saying that but the mask mandates are leaving people at the distillery are fucking amped to start doing events again everyone who comes in is like oh my god please tell me you're going to do another art thing when are you going to do another party so like as we as we start to move back towards some semblance of of normalcy um the question is going to be between the theatrical and and streaming and um questions like that like you know what how does it look in each different place are going to really play into it so but. it is i mean it's a little surprising i'm going to check out the youtube stream after this but it would be very surprising that they would like ungrain it or sharpen it for youtube because you know like so i'm wondering if it's if it's a compression thing like where if it's like if you compress the video enough it almost like gets better yeah like you know what i mean like it's like okay well we've compressed it so much that the grain is gone i mean i don't know the texture i've done a lot of color sessions in my life and like the 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 colorist they'll i mean you sit there and you do a color for each single export and deliverable you know so Hmm. If they're doing it, I mean, I can only assume it was done on purpose if there actually is a difference. But, you know, who knows, really? All right. Either that or I'm just like retroactively because I watched this movie last night. I'm retroactively applying a grain to it because these characters are gritty as fuck. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about Red Rocket. Let's get to our basic general feelings. We begin, of course, uh, as a spoiler free before gently moving into the spoiler section. Matt, what are your thoughts uh, in a general sense on Red Rocket? Yeah. So just like I said at the top of the show, like, you know, I really respect that Sean, like as a director, still, you know, has that indie kind of almost mumblecore spirit. Right. Um, I think that's been missing a lot. I have some buts. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm trying to, like, figure out what the spoilers are or not. Um, Overall you know, I think we can cut the movie a little bit, you know, it feels like it goes on a little bit long, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to say, right. My director brain is thinking one thing and my distributor brain is thinking another, um, generally let's just keep it really top level right now. And I guess we'll start digging in in a second. Um, good effort. Definitely a Sean Baker film. I can say that for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to see something by a, a director that knows what he's doing, but doesn't isn't a Marvel movie, then uh, I would recommend it. Now, that just makes me wonder, like, what Marvel superhero would Sean Baker step up for? I'm not actually asking anyone to answer that. I should make clear. I don't I don't I don't know the Marvel. Are there bench. any sex worker Marvel? Right. Characters? I was about to say, I don't know the Marvel bench deep enough. If my friend Dan Gavazin was here, he'd be like. Well, actually, in the mid '80s, they made a Marvel superhero out of like a dope Pimp addict. Man. So <laughs> it was a uh, very misguided that only ran for two issues. But I think Sean Baker would nail it. But anyway, uh, let's let's uh, let's go to Robin Barr. What are your you? This was on your top ten, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in fact my number three film. Have you secretly manipulated the next couple weeks to basically just go through your top ten? Because we talked about one of them last week, and now we're talking about this. Manipulated. It's that I suggested certain movies, um, mm. and also because I suggested them 
kind of anticipating they'd be maybe part of the awards conversation. Mm-hmm. Not as true for Red Rocket as it turns out, although I do think Simon Rex had gotten some precursor buzz. So I don't think it was out of the realm of possibility that he could have maybe ended up in one of the major awards sectors. I mean, if fucking Drive My Car is getting nominated for stuff, anything is possible, you know? Exactly. Um, so I, I chose it for that reason. And also because I think it's a movie that has built some goodwill over the last few months. But anyway, so it's really not about my personal proclivities, although, I mean, I am biased. Um, so... I really loved this movie. I saw it in theaters, uh, actually, in I believe it was October. Um, it had definitely gotten some buzz during its original. I think it was a it was a can, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. Oh, One no, of I, think, I, think, I think you're right. I think I remember seeing the crest at the beginning of the film. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I I had read my friend Dave Rooney David Rooney's um, review of this, and I was enchanted from the start, just thinking about what a what a story this could be. And, and I was not disappointed at all. Um, I think the movie is very, very funny. And in some ways also really like maybe the most horrifying film of 2021 in some respects. Uh, I wouldn't characterize it as a horror film per se, but it is extremely disturbing in, uh, and, I, and we'll get into spoilers of, but what the ease with which, this character, Mikey Saber, lies, manipulates, and charms his way through many people's lives is extremely unsettling and maybe feels very realistic to me about how sociopaths go through the world. So we should definitely talk more about that. But I thought it was um, it was unsettling enough to make me feel and to make me think. And I loved the performances. Um, I love what Sean Baker brings to his casts uh he usually brings together like really talented under underseen people um and he certainly made a star of say brooklyn prince for example so i hope we i hope we see more from from these folks uh, but i particularly loved the per- performances of the <laughs> i don't even want to call it the love triangle because <laughs> it's not really what it is it's but more I, like the, like a cluster of victims like the victim cluster yeah exactly <laughs> the cluster the harem um so i loved simon rex in this i love Susanna son um who plays his ugh, girlfriend if that's strawberry his, his, uh, emphasis his on girl you know just really yes. lean into the girlfriend exactly exactly and i love um the woman who plays his wife who's also basically his ex-wife um and the woman who his estranged mother-in-law is a strange wife and his estranged mother-in-law um who are i know um i want to say her name is brie and brie elrod is lexi thank you it's it's like a name that it was sitting on the top of my tongue but she she's really fantastic in this and i think if i had my way she would be uh, one of the five women nominated for the Best Supporting Actress Oscars because I thought her performance was that good. Um, and the one who plays her mother, who uh, actually in real life passed away um, oh. this past week, was also fantastic. And there's so many other great folks in this movie. It's it's actually a perfect ensemble, even though Simon Rex is obviously the the protagonist and the big star and the person getting a lot of the accolades. But yeah, I just thought all of these elements worked. And I agree with you, Matt, that this film is 
a little overlong. There are so many points where I'm like, was that the climax? Was that the climax? <laughs> like, what's happening here? <laughs> like, there's also kind of a weird story. There's also like a weird storyline. But I, anyway, we can't do spoilers yet. We can't do spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll certainly get into the pacing issue. So I'm not saying that that was not uh not a part of it, but you know the I think you have something special in my mind when you have a director who who just keeps ending up in my top tens. Like that's so unusual for me to really love a director so singularly. Um, and I absolutely love Florida, Florida project and tangerine as well. So it's just, it's like another, in my opinion, great movie from John Baker. All right. Bill Graham. Is it my turn? Yeah. I just said Bill Graham. Are you on a lag? What is happening? No, no, I'm not on a lag. I was just waiting for you to say my name and it took you a little while. So, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's my turn. Um, yeah, look, I, I haven't seen all of Sean Baker's films. Um, has he made four or just the three? Um, cause I'm thinking of what Tangerine and then uh, Florida project. And then this, is that all of his directorial? That's I feel the, like it, those it, are the the big ones I know. I'll I'll give it a check right now. I'm sure he's probably directed a shit ton of shorts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there, and oh, probably uh, had some unreleased stuff. So, um, let's see. There's something called Starlet, which is a 2012 oh, yeah. I'm so, film. I saw that one. Okay, that also stars about is, the porn industry. That's interesting. He's got, I mean, he's got a, he's got a vibe. Um, let's see. Uh, Starlet Prince of Broadway in 2008, which is, uh, according to IMDb, an hour and 40 long minute, uh, movie that is not, uh, rated, but yeah, directed Sean Baker. So he, he, he's been floating around in the indie scene clearly for a while. A New York street hustler specializing in name brand knockoffs finds his highly profitable game suddenly complicated. When his ex-girlfriend shows up toting the son he never knew he had. Interesting. But anyway, so what were you going to say, Bill? Um, I was going to say that I have seen most of his films now and I've just really, really enjoyed them. Um, he definitely has a vibe. He definitely has, um, whether it's pulling actors or actresses that aren't either well-known or non-actors, right. Um, off the streets and things like that. Um, the way he shoots things is very distinct. I feel like, um, and yeah, this film, I know it's got some some weirdness in it and I feel like it makes it very obvious and plain that like we are not really supposed to root for this guy um, at any point in his his trajectory through his life. uh, This brief snippet that we get. Um, And so I feel like a lot of that is kind of justified and uh, skates by just fine for me. So um but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was intriguing. I thought it was it was just as much of a train wreck uh as I was hoping it was going to be watching this guy's life kind of unfurl before us. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Um I liked this movie. Um I I it's funny because like I, I know, right? Um but yeah, I liked it. Uh I I think there's a couple things that went into me liking it. Um, I I know people from Texas City. I have been to Texas City. Um, the Gulf Coast is a place that I know. I like just even before 
they said where they were. I was like, oh, fuck me. I know that place. I've driven by that place. I'm pretty sure I've seen, if not Oceanside Cabaret, then the place that uh, stood in for Oceanside Cabaret. Because my girlfriend and I in high school used to drive from Houston to Galveston. And in that stretch, basically, between like Texas City and Galveston, there's a bunch of like seaside strip clubs that have ridiculous names like one of them one of them was like some weird russian name and there was one that was called like the something cabaret and so i like very strongly identified with the vibe of this movie and it felt interesting to be back there because i've definitely driven through places like that and said like oh what are the lives of these people like um i've also known a couple of people that are like mikey which i think is one of those things that as i'm watching a movie I'm like, oh man, I've lived a life. Like, I, uh, I don't know how I'm still here. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was good to see him presented the way that he is. I think that it's nice after the many weird, like, moral and ethical tangles that we've had to to deal with on this this show recently to finally see a movie about a scumbag that definitely knows it's about a scumbag. And is by a director who is unafraid to just say like, hey, check out this scumbag. But that also (laughs) shows you the type of people that could get drawn in by the scumbag and (laughs) who could find themselves under his his sway in a way. Um, This is a movie where like, you know, that whole basically, oh, life is complicated. Nothing's ever black and white. Like ethos comes to bear, except that... um, it understands that situations may not be black and white, but like the karmic justice of the universe ought to be. And uh, I like that. I liked it. I, I have not actually seen any movies by Sean Baker. This is my oh, first wow. one. Um, I can't remember wow. what happened with the other ones. I think I was just busy and they always fell at like the low end of my need to see that for end of year spectrum. Um, but I'm glad I saw this. I don't think it would have cracked my top 10 and I had a very weak top 10, but I think it was still strong if that red rocket wouldn't have been in there, but it probably would have made my honorable mentions. And, um, I'll just agree that the acting is really good. I don't know Simon Rex enough to know if he's giving a good performance or if this is just the kind of like shit heel energy that he lives with day to day. Um, (laughs) you know, I think that that sometimes either gets in the way of people getting an award or it's one of the reasons why we look back at giving someone an award and go, Oh, that was a mistake because you just, you just never know on that kind of thing. But I mean, like he's, he's fantastic in this. And the fact that he can hold this movie, which I agree is also overly long um, and hold the camera the whole time and, and keep your interest despite his like incessant, shitbaggery is uh is really impressive and so i am i'm glad that we watched this i am not glad that i watched the uh screener that i got for this movie and i accidentally left the uh the the cardboard sleeve that the disc came in on my coffee table and it was clearly uh seen and checked out by either my daughter or the babysitter while i was gone today (laughs) And now I just feel like I have to, to at some point be like, oh, yeah, no, Red Rocket, that's a great movie. It definitely doesn't. It's not as dumb as the the title and the uh, the picture would make you believe. I love your daughter. Is it like a donut? It's like a, it's, him wearing it's a donut. It's him naked holding oh, himself would... inside of the donut. And like, 
you know, like that looks like it's some like Porky style, like, eight, and I'm just like, oh, fuck me. Like if the Very babysitter 80s. just saw that and was like, oh, Christ, this guy watched this movie without reading the top where it's like, for your awards consideration, look at all of these prestigious outlets who've said nice things. So now I got to leave like my copy of the Criterion Edition of War and Peace or something out for her next time. Otherwise, I'm just going to feel like a shit heel. Like, Dude, uh, was, like Mikey said. I was, I was more nervous that it was like your daughter had started watching the movie or something. Like, no, she didn't. It she was didn't just the artwork. <laughs> that would be, yeah. <laughs> it's still It's still one of those things where it's like, I don't know how to explain this to people. But anyway, so that's my thoughts. I'm excited to talk about it. I think that it's a very rich uh, movie. It, it reminded me in some ways of Killing Them Softly. Just in the fact that it's like got a goal. It's got Gulf Coast vibe, Gulf Coast shit heel like scumbag vibes. And you can definitely tell what the director slash writer was trying to say. Because every once in a while he has characters watching the news at the perfect time to get a soundbite that syncs up exactly with the themes of the movie. I actually have a I have a question for you guys about that. Actually, that you know, I sometimes don't know how I feel about when a film will date itself, uh, and I felt like all those political references. Like, granted, it was huge, and like we just lived through it and it was terrible, right? But do you feel like I? I, I sometimes I feel like that makes you know, cinema supposed to be relatively timeless. I think you know, in general, and that sometimes those like huge iconic things kind of pull me out of the movie and make me think, you know, oh shit, this is what it was like living like this. And, and, you know, sometimes when I'm watching a film, I don't want to be thinking about the four years we had with the guy. And I just, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, so I'm curious as to like what your thoughts about are, are like, cause it's not a political movie per se, but it's got these like huge political undertones, I suppose that are dating the movie. And, dating it back to what 2016 right or excuse yeah yeah it's this is definitely i mean there's a point where they're watching the democratic national convention right which was one of those this is the problem i think um the only problem that i have with this and it's in fact a problem that i remember us bringing up on uh the episode that we recorded about killing softly it's just like would all these fucking gangsters like sitting around and playing poker really have like meet the press on like is that does that make sense? Like, would these women sitting there really, like, be watching Hillary Clinton's acceptance speech for the Democratic National Convention? Like, that seems that seems odd. Like, that seems like maybe that's out of character and you had that happening because you really wanted to have that soundbite in there. Yeah, it just seems a little on the nose. I, I, I don't remember being annoyed by those references, but I kind of felt like, I couldn't understand what it was trying to say about those references. Like is evoking Donald Trump saying something about Mikey. Well, I mean, Mikey is, is Donald Trump. And so like, no, there's... I, well, but, but is it necessary oh, to make I that comparison? That. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, see, no, for me, it was like, Oh, 100% Mikey's Donald Trump. And these are the types of rubes who live terrible lives, who would definitely give themselves over to a charming narcissist. If he, if they believe that he's going to make their lives better, like they'll forgive all of his obvious flaws and sins and crimes because he's able to pay their rent for the month. Like that's, and, and and I think that like the issue is if you were to make this movie and then I hear the director say like, Oh, I was really intrigued by like why a certain section of America 
that, you know, like would go for Donald Trump. And so I made this guy who's Trumpian, but without the trappings of like riches and whatever the fuck, um, you know, and like saw how he would interact at like a, mi- a micro scale. I'd be like, oh, OK, that's interesting to me I to mean, put d- d- all of that other stuff on top of it, like with killing them softly is just like. It's a it's a bit much, but in retrospect, I always find myself kind of smiling about it. I, I think it's interesting because he does have kind of the um, what is it the presidential uh, you know uh, what is it election ceremony or thing whatever the uh, um, God damn it what are you trying to say the, the celebration when the nomination for the next president is announced, whatever the fuck that is called. That's the right? convention. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when they actually announce, like the news is like, hey, here is our new president, right? And they go out and they go make that speech or whatever. That was Kamala Harris, right? Heard in the background, like accepting the next, you know, to be the next uh, vice president. Yeah, she makes a speech in the background. I rem- inauguration, is that the word? No, this is not inauguration. It's not inauguration because she hasn't been sworn in at that point. It's just the congratulation like speech this that they do at like crazy. At 9 no, that was one hundred percent Hillary Clinton. What? Yeah, that it was Hillary Clinton. It was her accepting her nomination as the the Democrats' candidate for president. Okay, I I heard it differently. Um, I would. Okay. All right, wait. So Matthew is on my side, Robin. It's most definitely set in 2016. Yeah. So you're saying okay. Hillary Clinton? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't get that that timeline necessarily, but okay, fine, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that all of that stuff is happening in the background, like, is is making a statement, kind of leading towards what you're saying, Brian, that he is kind of a stand-in for maybe tr- Donald Trump. Outside of that, I just think he's the run-of-the-mill, smooth-talking guy that like everybody knows that can just like my my dad. I, I had a good friend growing up that was a next-door neighbor, and my dad called him. What did he call him from some kind of like leave it to beaver? There's some character in leave it to beaver that apparently is just like a smooth talking kid that always gets away with whatever the fuck he's getting away with. I'm not sure. But my dad was like, your friend, my neck, you know, our next door neighbor is that kid. Like, you need to stay away from him. He was just like, he's going to get you into so much shit because you're not going to be able to talk your way out of it. And he is. And like, I kind of took that to heart. And I was like, yeah, he is kind of a dirtbag. It's Eddie Eddie Haskell, I think. Eddie Haskell. Yes. He said Eddie. He's he's a real Eddie Haskell kind of character. He's always like, yeah, let's go like throw some firecrackers at some poor kids. And then like June Cleaver walking in, he'll be like, hi, Mrs. Cleaver. Like, it's so nice to meet you. My mother says hello. And then like she leaves. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go roll a fucking taxi stand. (laughs) <laughs> I'm making him sound a lot more badass than he is, but yeah, that's what his his role. But yeah, that, that, that's that's fucking Mikey. That's that's Mikey. Like yeah. he's he's just able to talk himself. Like the fact that like he goes over and starts hitting on Strawberry Ray Lee, right? And it actually fucking works. Is just like it, it's like wait, 
but like he makes a cheesy donut joke and and from that point on they're just like best buds and it's I just like that, i thought that joke was hilarious i thought it was just I, like it was it was it was good it was good the one that she comes back with was terrible yeah but yeah, to yeah. be clear like it was still cheesy enough to be like oh wow i remember okay. hers i don't remember his is that a bad thing what, what was which I one was know. his <laughs> He said, well, I "Oh, don't, they I glazed into section? each other's eyes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They glazed into each other. I remember eyes. hers because yeah. it was awful, and she did a terrible Jamaican accent. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so he's it, like to me, he's he's not necessarily like a. St- I never thought of him as a stand-in for Trump. I thought of him as just he's just the sleazebag that everybody knows. That's that's just really good at being a sleazebag. And how is that not a stand-in for Trump? (laughs) (laughs) I think my question is, is it needed? Did we have to bring in the national sentiment to, like, okay, what I'm really saying is, is he making a statement about Trump or is Trump making a statement about him and is either really necessary? I don't I don't think it's necessary at all. Honestly, like like, like I said, I am um, like when I think of killing them softly, I think almost of the audacity of that movie to constantly be playing CNN or NPR in the background and to end on uh I think is it election night? It's election night, right? Cuz everyone's like you know, running it's not inauguration day. It's got to be election night. And um like Brad Pitt's character basically finally acknowledging that the, the fucking TV is on and doing that immortal line. And I sometimes think about that and I'm like, that's just ballsy. I don't know that it works, but I like that he went there. And I think that Red Rocket has a little bit of that. Um, but it might just be, if I had never seen Killing Them Softly, and if I weren't drawing that parallel, I think I would just find it cloying and annoying. Because I don't think it's necessary. I think that it's almost underselling how richly drawn everything else is that he thinks that they that he needs that that uh that potency to be added in yeah i mean robin i think you i mean you you definitely asked the same question i was going to ask which is like does a does it change the movie at all if it's out and the answer for me is definitely no but b i actually think it's a detriment to the film because um you know we were talking about licorice pizza earlier but you know it's there's no reason for me for that this needs to be so squarely set in 2016 that I found it a distraction and like, I'll give it to, you know, you want to put it up once I get it. Let's world build. That's all good with me. But to keep going back to it, it's just something I feel like doesn't really add anything to the film. And it also like, and not even, I don't even think we're nitpicking because every time you cut back to something Trump related, it just brought me out of the film. So I would, you know, I, I think it was actually kind of a, a flaw, but, you know, that's just. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember it that much, but I do think that creating a timestamp obviously can be very useful in films like this or just in film in general, if you're trying to make a statement about the time period. But I don't know if we're far enough away from 2016 to say that this is a period piece or to say like this is a a reflection or a hindsight or a nostalgia i mean i don't i don't think it's nostalgia either i just think that it's like there's a time and a place to 
make these statements, you know, like if you're going to set a film in a certain era and you have to make it realistic to your vision and you change things about the technology. So that's obviously not reflective of like the current space that we're in. You know, I get that. I, I get why that would be important, but the fact that it, and it, and it's not just that it keeps bringing up the election. There's also a political component later in the film when a character, I think the word, I don't know if it's impersonates a soldier is the it's called stolen. It's called stolen yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So that, that was, that was one of those things where, uh, like it's, I can make that moment fit thematically into the movie, but I don't know what it really adds to the film. Like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I look back, like, I I, I want to say, like, oh, you could cut that and not lose anything. But it does raise questions of, like, okay, well, you know, Mikey seems to give a fuck about that. Does he just care that it's, like, going to cause a scene? Or is that, like, the one thing? Because he does say thank you for your service. So, like, is that the is that the one thing that matters to him? Like, is that the uh, one thing I that mean, it'll hold sacred? And is Are we it, allowed to say what it is? I think that would be better for the... <laughs> Wait to say I mean, what what is it, like to talk about the that political thing because it I think it's a bit spoilery but maybe we're in spoilers the fact that point. he the the fact that Lonnie does stolen valor so first of all I've never heard that term before so that's that's new for me oh okay um, so there's no a it's character a big thing. in the film for people who have not seen it named Lonnie who's the best uh, maybe not best friend but like the next door neighbor who becomes Mikey's. Uh, who becomes an admirer of Mikey. And so Mikey takes advantage of this. And Lonnie is a bit of a, bit of a dip. Uh, maybe you even call him a drip. He's just this skinny guy that never left. And it's still. When the, when the wife hits on him and is like, <laughs> you're no longer scrawny Ronnie. I was looking at him. I was like, yeah, he is. Yeah, what he are is. we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and that goatee was doing him no favors. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he's he's just, you know, like, uh, I hate to use this term, but he's just basically a townie who looks up to Mikey, uh, who was a neighbor of his growing up. And then this guy becomes basically his ride throughout the film and, and a, somebody that Mikey can talk to. But really, Mikey has no interest in as a human being. But, you know, it's. It's so funny, though, because uh, I'm sorry, Robin, I keep keep interrupting you, but it's so funny because honestly, he uses him as a ride, but there's no fucking reason for it beyond him just like wanting to get away like that's it he doesn't use him as a ride to do anything productive he goes to a strip club he goes to a mall he goes to I think I think early on he's yeah no he, he goes nowhere. Basically, he rides his bike anywhere that he goes for anything that he's doing productive. <laughs> well, here in herein lies my major criticism. Now we're I mean, I guess we're getting into criticism. Oh, shit, we're here. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, the, the purpose of him is totally 100 percent exposition. Right. Like he's in that mm-hmm. car bragging about how fucking great he was in Los Angeles. And I get he's it. Killing time. He's killing we, time. We need it like just a bit of it. I get it. Like he's a good actor. Like that's something Sean Baker does really, really well. Um, we talked about that. And, you know, that's why I'll let it slide. And if he wasn't such, you know, a, a seasoned director with like these types of actors, it would have just totally flopped in my opinion. But that 
stuff is totally expositional, totally contrived. Um, and we're, if we're talking about a two hour and 10 minute movie where we all agree needs to be cut, like I can take 15 minutes out of it right there, you know? So I having those scenes at all or no, 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 we, we can like sprinkle them in. I think it's interesting an interesting dynamic for him to have somebody to brag to, um, you know, they have that like weird macho male energy, you know, I think that's good for, for Mikey's character. Um, but it's, it's a lot, the, the trying to give him this weird storyline and the wife hitting on him and the, the stolen valor, like all that stuff. Yeah, um, I think I, think I say can, no, you can clean up Lonnie a bit. Like you can probably get rid of the stolen valor, yeah. get rid of the scene where like the, the Lexi talks to him, but like, I well, do. Okay. I, I think, I think, I you, think there's missing stuff here. Like if, so you think, think the movie like should have been long or was intended to be longer? <laughs> Not that I want it to be longer, but I think he, I, my guess is that Baker had wanted to maybe develop some of the oh, 100%, dynamics yeah. a little bit better because I think what's happening is Lonnie is used as um, almost like a litmus test. Like for, for Mikey, Lonnie is both something that he can compare himself to use as a, as a cheerleader. And then also, uh, compare himself you know on morality because when he finds out that Lonnie is full of shit about being a soldier he's then well oh like this is a true piece of shit like i you know i mm-hmm. i have the moral high ground here um and that's really the only time that Mikey ever expresses any sort of uh ethics or moralism in general but i think he does so as as a way to differentiate himself because uh, he doesn't see him or he maybe questions himself I think sometimes, but this is, but he uses Lonnie's downfall as a way to lift himself up. And I think what's happening with Lexi is that she uses Lonnie in a, I think her plan was to make Mikey jealous, but obviously never, nothing really comes from it. So my guess is it's almost like Sean Baker's way of (laughs) novelizing his story but it would have been much better as part of say a TV series or a novel. I agree with that character. Yeah. I I mean, valid points. Totally. I think, I think you're right. I think that is definitely the thought process and, you know, in the writing, but does it work? You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I have a pet peeve though. Like movies are just getting longer and longer. Yeah. Bloat. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going to say, Bill, you know, we used to make fun of you because you'd be like, oh, it's over two hours. And like, I never agreed with you, but like, I'm there now. Like, I, cause yeah, there's, cause I think that for me, it used to be like, oh, it's, it's, it's novel that this movie is over two hours long. Like, that's crazy. And you're like, that's out of the norm and I don't like it. And I was like, no, it's great. <laughs> like, we should give our, but everyone, you don't have to make a two hour long movie. Crawl no, is perfect and it's like under 90 minutes. You have to earn two hours, man. I mean, this yeah. two hours and 10, you know, like you really have to earn it. Um, and mm. I think, I mean, I don't know. You're, you're speaking, you're speaking my language. Yeah, man. And, and I'm the only one criticizing the film. So I guess I'll just. No, I mean, that's not true. That's not true. I agree with you. I've been saying like Lonnie's whole stolen valor thing is like, like Lonnie exists for a purpose. And I love how me, I love how Lonnie is like, yeah, yeah, you're the best, Mikey. And Mikey's like, this is great. Like, I got this fucking guy who I can talk to, not to curse, but like, you know, oh, my fucking God, I love talking to you. 
And <laughs> I, lo- I love that he's constantly apologizing for cursing and then just runs right back into it. Because, again, yeah, that's, that's I nice know character. fucking guys like this. I am friends with guys like this. Not to the extent that they're a former porn star who's going to try to, like, get a teenager to become a porn star. But just oh, so they have my. that same kind of energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but like, I, yeah, I, I, I've, I wanna... got, I've got criticisms. I think that, like, the Lonnie stuff needs to be trimmed. I also agree with Robin that it probably – this movie probably was, like, two hours and 40 minutes – Oh God! And someone was like, "Sean, for fuck's sake!" And he's like, "All right, all right, we can lose the part where Lonnie finds Jesus in prison." Like, I was gonna <laughs> say, "What is going on with that?" I story? love Lonnie. First Here. of all, like so, I like so Lonnie too. Like I'm down well. for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead about Lonnie, but like it doesn't have to be in this movie. <laughs> oh my God, we need a so, sequel so, about Lonnie. So I wanna I wanna defend the Lonnie thing uh, real quick. So I think I think the Lonnie thing with the stolen valor thing in particular is the idea here is that when Mikey goes off on him and he really kind of like goes off on him and he's like it could ruin my reputation like blah 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 and it, like you know obviously very selfish of him like nobody fucking well, he's cares. He's a narcissist. Dude. Yeah, exactly. But I think when Lonnie is just like accepts that and you're like, wait, he just railed on you. Right. And and this is probably a very traumatic thing that probably happened to Lonnie. I'm sure he's not had this happen to him before. And especially like so fucking embarrassing, like being on a car ride back from that and like having the guy that you think is like your new buddy, like just basically rail on you for that. Right? Also, you're you, so you already got, <laughs> yeah, you also like you already got dipped in water by some assholes that, you know, well, you know, okay, maybe fair, but Maybe also you don't need to do that to that, you know, 120 pound guy. Um, But it's one of those things where when he just kind of fucking silently accepts it and it's just like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. That's when the massive car pile up happens and he doesn't like admit that there was someone else in the car that like at the last minute was like hey 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 fucking take this exit and he like panicked right like that makes sense because you've already seen him like get railed on by this guy and be like yeah but he's my fucking buddy so i'm Given not the fact going to that he's a porn star you gotta stop using the term getting railed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's another, like, that's the, like, the movie feels long, but at the same time, a lot of what we're talking about being extraneous feels essential because I do, but then again, like, there's also part of me, it's like, do we need like a 22 car pileup in the middle well, of this movie? Like, that was like, a lot. That was a lot. Kinda, but like, kind of like, yeah, because the absurdity of that event and, and what triggers it and him living in fear that he's going to get implicated, which I don't, I guess like the fleeing of the scene is, but like, he's not in control, but I guess because he didn't turn Lonnie in, but like, it's just weird that we're in that at all when they, you could very easily like, just say like, maybe he just wants to leave because he's got trying, found a new, like a a new gimmick, like a new way to get out there and make money and get back in good with the, uh, the porn, the porn industry. I'm taking the hard line that all of that stuff should be cut. And I want to circle back just to what Robin said. It's like, yeah, if we're doing a TV series, love it. That's great for the pilot. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Let's mm-hmm. find out what happens in episode two or three. But like, we're watching a movie and, you know, 
Bill, I'm agreeing with you, man. Like two hours and 10 minutes, you need to earn it. And my an another big criticism I have of the film is like, I like independent films. I mean, I've made an entire business off of distributing ind independent films, right? But this one seems very small to me with like no gravitas. Like I watch movies with one actor that, you know, something huge happens to them and we have to, you know, and it's a character piece where we're following only one person along and, you know, it feels very real and heavy and cinematic to the character. And this, I feel like we're just watching him go through the motions. Um, I, I, I no? think part, a part of that though is, is his like, it, nothing sticks to this guy. Right. And so nothing's going to be heavy for him because nothing sticks to this guy. It, it seems like he has a son. Right. That is like being fought over like custody wise or something like that. Or, or maybe I don't think it's no, that, that that's that's his wife's kid, which yeah, is a whole fucking another... other mess. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's that's a thing. That's a thing. That's brutal, like, like nature of your edits. You're just like, yeah, no, cut that, it. that's that, that's fine, though. But Everything it, was like, strawberry. I, I think, cut it. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> I think, I think, I think you're right in that it does feel like everything is kind of, kind of shrugged off. But I think it's because of our main character, not because of anything inherent in this film. Um, I think it's, it's just our main character. Like nothing, nothing's gonna stick to this guy. And so, like, I mean, it sounds. I don't know. It's interesting because you always have to wonder about how much of a, uh, a, uh, God damn it. Why do I keep putting myself in these situations? Um, uh, how much to trust what he is saying is actually true or not. Right. Um, and so like every time he talks about him being in the porn industry, like it's funny because he mentions all these awards and all of these things that like would be very easy to fact check. But then he continues on about, you know, like Jenna Jameson or you know, whatever, like all of these other things. And you're just like, I don't know. It's it sounds like you were probably making a decent amount of money and somehow you got like entrapped into being like sharing rent for like with some drug dealers. Like what the fuck are you doing, dude? You know, it's you just like, him? I mean, that's kind of the, issue I don't know. I don't know. Liar. It's more likely that he got in trouble with some kind of outfit, whether it was the mob or yeah, then why would he want to, why would he want to go back? I think that well, he, he found just, strawberry, right? That, dirt, feels, yeah. that, that feels yeah. really authentic to me. He like, had the commodity, which was her. Right. I, yeah. I think so, so he's he, going to, he's going to barter that. Yeah. Well, I think he yeah. did. Oh, I think he, that, that makes it even worse. Human he's a horrible uh, human being, yeah. Bill. I know. I, 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 yes, 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 yes. But uh, like already my impression of him was not good. And y'all just like right, you're turned it down like 10 on top of it. Yeah. Turn, turn, turn so, down 10 so more I've, levels. I've talked about this before. How like on, on TikTok, there's like a, a particular, I, I like vein of, of young women making videos that are talking about how basically they were, they were like groomed. Or like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, grooming is really the only way to put it. I was about to say like cheered on no, towards like over-sexualizing themselves with an eye towards like, oh, when she turns 18, she's ripe for the picking. Like 
a, a shocking amount who like make fun of the fact that they're like I was 14 and like talking to like 40 year old men on kick and thought that I was so cool or like I was 16 and like listening to everyone who told me I should do an OnlyFans as soon as I turned 18 thinking that I was being empowered uh, but actually you motherfuckers were grooming me and like that's pretty much Strawberry's future which is not good for her uh, except for the fact that in that idea she eventually finds it out and maybe uh, mm-hmm. comes to some level of peace with it through therapy. I don't know. Yeah, this guy's a fucking monster. I thought that he he just did in in Hollywood what he did to, or, to all these people, which is probably started off on a level, like, legit playing field, but then slowly started working his game until he got rejected by the, t- the cream of the crop, honest to God, like, industry porn industry, and then just got kicked down the ladder until he was in mm-hmm. like a legitimate, I think he called it like a trap house, like a whore house. Yeah. And even then, the, the whores didn't want him around. Like <laughs> the sex workers were like, no, you are too much. I'm done. It's over. Get out of this goddamn house. And but, you know, he's it, everything is everyone else's fault to this dude. The, so, it's funny. I actually I actually believe everything about his backstory that he says. Um, I mean, granted, there's probably some hyperbole, right? But I, I agree with, or not agree. I, 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 I believe the thing. And then, um, you know, I think the greatest part of the movie, like really the conflict or like the soul of the movie is this grooming for strawberry, which is like so repulsive, but feels so authentic to him that like that I'm really like Sean, like you nailed, you nailed that part. You know? Right. It's funny. I was about to say, it's funny that you call it the soul of the movie. Cause it's the type of thing that only a soulless human being could do. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean like that's the black wizened inverse soul of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's better. Well put. Thank you. Yeah. The, um, but that, I, I, I love that part. You know, I just, I, there's a lot of fluff around it. And like, I just don't know if that's like the, you know, that might be a bigger, question of like where movies are trending you know but you know we got to like add in all this extra stuff because we got to like get more hours i don't know but the um that stuff felt super authentic felt very made me like cringe in my seat and felt you know like that's too you know just to dovetail off what you were saying like this is a real thing that really happens to girls and um you know, it's just that I felt like let's spend some more time examining like how fucked up this guy is rather than, you know, this kind of I got like a silver linings playbook Bradley Cooper kind of energy from him for most of the film. Like this like <laughs> neurotic kind of funny guy. And like I kind of want to live in like, let's see like how fucked up he really is and, you know, just give it a little more weight. But right, you need like you know, a Larry Clark to get that. Like a yeah, person. I was gonna say right. It's like it felt like kids meets uh, meets Silver Linings Playbook for me, which is bit. exactly what you mm. want in your life, isn't it? Just like <laughs> yeah. the hard hittingness of kids with the kind of weird treakliness of Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, man. I mean, well, they, it just goes to show you that the industry is just you know everything has to be there has to be humor and everything and has to, everything has to be a tentpole. You know, it's, it's not like he isn't funny alone but i think that there there is like a desire to stretch this a little more and and make it a little more humory outside of just the way that he operates yeah yeah but the um but i mean i i will say like it it doesn't soften him to the point that you ever like like him like i don't know that there was ever a point when i was on his side no 
but and, no, and this is not at all. Yeah, and this is one of those things where like people are like, oh, you know, not every movie has to reflect a perfect morality. And I get this all the time when I talk about certain movies seeming to be on the side of certain people who are doing shitty things. But this is like what I'm talking about when I say like you got to be aware of what you're doing and you got to do it. Like even if you want to interpret the end of this movie as he might get his second shot, whereas I interpret the end of this movie as he's a fucking delusional monster and he's probably about mm. to get the shit kicked out of him again. Um, I was going to ask you guys about that, actually. I don't know what I think about the last frame of the film, you know? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. In fact, I will just say, like, we're in spoilers now because I we've been talking for like an hour. <laughs> well, we've and... been spoilers since the Stolen Valor thing. Yeah. Is that, yeah. You really think that's a spoiler? What the fuck is wrong with you people? We were ready to it's a reveal about a character. Oh, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of the problem with it. <laughs> like, what matters? Yes, it's thank fiction. you very much. <laughs> no i don't that's the well that's the the funny i think that that kind of lays into how we were saying it like might be a needless moment because like i think oh spoiler is germane and impactful to how the movie concludes itself and lonnie dressing yeah, poorly up as a gi joe does not to me fucking matter at all <laughs> i think yeah that, but i mean i, I, but I it, get it, but that it turns but, into the major issue of the film which is the not uh, really like they only bring caught. it up once after he does the pile up and that's no, at a completely no, but different time it leads into the pile up it's like the no it doesn't yeah, that's, it, that's it's, not it's the, the justification that... it's the justification that's that's what my whole thing about like i like that that situation of lonnie is like that situation leads into him not ratting out mikey like i feel like those are hand in hand those are those are the development of that character in particular and also like i i, I get it brian like you're like nothing fucking matters in this movie but we can't talk about everything like that's that's not fair either and this this happens like an hour into the movie nothing matters in this movie i said that lonnie having a history of stolen valor does not meaningfully impact the way the movie ends even okay, a little bit but I, I i feel like it impacts the film still I, oh my I god does, so does the creates... font choice of the title bill that doesn't make it a spoiler no but wait why are we arguing whether it's a spoiler or not it's i don't know i'm just saying about uh, a character whether it impacts the more the forward movement of the story is not that important, but it does impact characterization. And I think that's why it is a spoiler. Uh, we're going to have to have a whole separate three hour long episode where we debate this. And we're I gonna actually have to have a punishment for you because you're being a nasty. I, I guess so. <laughs> I just I cannot conceive of anyone anywhere thinking that that's a spoiler. Um, and I would love well, you got two who... of us. Well, you guys are crazy. You're on a movie podcast. You're not real okay. people. We are not <laughs> real people. <laughs> I need the listeners at home who've gotten this far to reach out via tweet or via Slack and tell us if you think that that counts as a spoiler. Um, now I just want to like go through every other movie that ever existed and be like, what do you think is a spoiler? No, let's move on. No, well, obviously I can't do that, Bill, because I don't have every uh, IMDb page open for every other movie that ever existed. But I will say that um, I don't even remember what I was talking about right now. Spoilers. No, we're spoilers. We into spoilers. Right. Related to the last scene, what what are we going to say about that? Like what? Like he he gets embarrassed, humiliated, and robbed, and sent on his fucking way. And instead of trying to like slink off to go find a hole to die in, 
he still goes to to Strawberry's house to pick her up like they're going to go to L.A. And he's going to somehow with less money and a bruised ego convince her to do pornography when she's already been pretty open about the fact that she doesn't want that. I don't I, I disagree. I think he got her on his side with the, yep, with I the do. iPhone thing. Right. But he but and like so it, you think that like he he will convince her to do it as long as it's just a couple stuff, even though in the car with Lonnie, he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll get her to like do all these other things. I, th- I think that the trajectory in my head is that she's, you know, let's say 65 percent of the way there. And with his fucking shitty human narcissistic behavior once they get to Los Angeles, you know, he's going to get her the rest of the way. I think it's going to be harder for him to do that with no money. I think like with a cushion of some money, maybe he could sell the lifestyle. But like with the raw desperation that he's going to be showing. Or is it like, honey, we have no money. We have to do this. You know, like we have no. other. Uh, he, he's going to start selling weed again. I think <laughs> yeah. he could have just and, done that in L.A. No, wait, because yeah. it's legal ish there. That was yeah, his, but, he I did mean, a whole thing can, about that. You can still you can still sell it. But anyway, her opening the door in a bikini and dancing. What's our to a, to a backward no, version of bye bye bye? What are we? Yeah, that's that's not happening. I didn't that, think that, that was did, literal. That, but what do we what do yeah. we want to say that that symbolizes to us? I'm at a loss to tell you the truth. I don't I don't know. Robin Barr, this was on your top ten. You must have had a feeling. What do you mean? What does it symbolize? I don't know. What do you think that the movie's saying with that? Like, do you think it's him looking at the house and imagining her coming out to fix all of his problems? Do you think it's. Do you think it's real or not real? I think it's not real. I would like to I know. I think it's not real. Right. So, but what do you think the movie is saying by showing us that as the final image? I think. How do I want to artic- articulate this? So, I think the film is showcasing his crisis point and the escapism that he has always needed to continue on. So does that really mean anything? I I don't know, but I, but my interpretation of it is that he has almost gotten to the point of like delusionality and it's I mean, I think this person has always been delusional, so don't get me wrong, but I think it's like it's just further emphasizing that not only is he delusional, but he is literally hallucinating as a means of psychological escape. Do you think she goes to l a with him i I don't know I mean I, this is like the ending of the Sopranos. Does it really matter if Tony dies or not when it goes black? Like- Spoiler. <laughs> oh my God, oh Robin, my you God. know, I haven't watched the Sopranos. I never knew that. Wait, I can't tell if you're kidding or making. Oh no, no, of course I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I haven't actually seen all the Sopranos, but I am fully aware of how it ends because yeah, yeah. the world exploded afterwards. <laughs> You know what I think it, I mean, now that I'm really diving into it, I think what it might mean is that he's just at such a low point. And I think he d- really does care for her, even though he is abusing her. Like this man is so self-deluded that he thinks he's, that he's actually bringing some good to her life. 
while knowing that it's that he's commodifying her and you know also well, he's himself. he's getting he's getting her out of this shithole town right he keeps referring yeah. to this place as a shithole town and he's like don't you want to get out of here you he know he certainly wants to yeah for sure um, yeah but do you think his version of la is really much better than texas no City? like it's, he's first of all, it's not la it's the san fernando valley it's <laughs> creepy yeah. i mean not that not that the valley is creepy but it's well, the, the porn industry is. Well, the, yes, Robin exactly. coming out hard against the Valley. I mean, the Valley is the Long Island of Los Angeles. I was so okay. I, I was going to say Staten it. Island. I was going to be like, just because you're from no. Staten Island doesn't get you doesn't mean you get to say you're from New York. God damn it! Oh my gosh, dude. Okay, that is listener. bullshit. Because if you are from Staten Island, you oh, it's literally one of the boroughs. Yeah, but like every other borough hates it. It's a garbage island. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of issues. It really should be a part of New Jersey. But anyway. Oh, wow. Whoa. I wasn't willing to go that far. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Long Island, so I can say whatever, really. It's true. But, but the point that I'm trying to make is that he thinks that this is ultimately going to be a win for both of them, even though he's obviously manipulating her and he knows he's manipulating her. But he's at such a low point in his life that he just thinks of her as like his savior. I mean, first of all, it's not just that he's, he's trying to commercialize her body. He is also you personally using her body and he, she brings him joy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's horrible to say, cause I'm not rooting for this romance, but I think he does. He is genuinely enthralled by this person. So maybe, maybe the ending is his, brain uh, okay what i want to compare it to is you know supposedly how when you die your mind flashes to mm. either like a past loved one who is dead or you know your life flashes before your eyes and there's like a lot of these theories that it's your that it's your brain on all of these like death endorphins Right. Um, so yeah, whatever hallucinations you experience are just there, part of this chemical process. There's yeah, actually so a really beautiful speech about that in uh, in Midnight Mass. All right. Stop with your endorsements of Midnight Mass. Like, Best movie of the year. Oh, my God. I'm going <laughs> to Um. So maybe this is that, that kind of uh, – maybe it's alluding to that to some degree where he's at such a crisis point in his life and he is so low – and he can't think of a way forward. And then she just becomes everything. She's his angel. Like she represents all the hope. And maybe she does go with him and it's horrible. But, and that's probably what happens because he did it to Lexi. I mean, that is exactly what he did to his ex. Who is, and then destroyed her body through, through all of those means. I mean, it, it's sick. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say like the, the writing does definitely thrive with their you know mikey's and strawberry's relationship and it's like super you don't know what to trust and people are saying things they don't mean and like people have ulterior motives but they definitely believe some of the stuff and he is helping her but he's not helping her like i think that's all very well developed and really really good um what i can't help thinking though is that sean baker just kind of copied the ending of the florida project a little bit you know I can't help thinking that like, that's like, he was like, Oh, I did this once before. I'm just going to kind of do this again. This is my signature. Cause 
you know, I, I don't know. I, how do you guys feel about that? So that's, I've, I've only heard of that obviously. Cause I didn't see that movie. Right, I do. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, it's weird to me that the movie would end this way when it's been so kind of in it with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that it would suddenly now go like, I don't think we've really, we had never seen anything else. Like it would have been very easy to seed that throughout the movie. Like, and maybe like, you know, do what his weird rose colored glasses version of reality is. And then what actual reality is. So to give that to him at the end, like I, I kind of am with Robin where it's kind of like that, that last rush of endorphins before you die. Yeah. Um, because I <laughs> or, think that or your life just crumbles. <laughs> this is the last minute where he can believe that all of his fucking bullshit's going to come to anything. And I think that when he appears there without a car, holding a trash bag of his yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. folded clothes. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> she's finally going to be like, Oh shit. This is a scumbag 40 year old. Who's, you know, who, who's been fucking me. Cause everyone else in his life hates him. Like I can only hope so. I can only hope that that's what's going through her head. Like get run away from that dude immediately. You're too good for him, honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. love my favorite part of the movie is when, What's his name? Nash. When Nash's like weird ass tracksuit family comes and kicks the shit out of him. Oh, super weird. And man. then <laughs> and then in the, the, the fucking kitchen of the donut shop, he's like, there was a sucker punch. I could have totally out cardioed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good line. That, yeah. that was that was so funny. Like if it was being him like, running a track ever. or something, I would have I would have run circles around him. But just because it was like a contest of like, you know, speed and fucking strength, he won. It's so awesome. Yeah, that was good. That just that was the most LA thing ever, dude. To say I could out cardio that guy, I loved it. <laughs> that was a great line. Oh my god! All right, I want to bring up a point. So, I a few months ago, I wrote this piece for the Hollywood Reporter, which is about how there's been many films about sex work in this past year, and they've all had some varying degrees of horror or thriller aspects. I mean, there was. Um, there was Last Night in Soho, there was Zola, there was Shiva Baby, and they're all very, very anxious, tense movies. And they're all trying to say something about the dangers of sex work to some degree. But I actually found the comedy, Red Rocket, to be so much more horrifying than all of those other movies. And I think the reason for that is because Mikey is such a charming make you smile, make you laugh person that you can see how insidious uh, that behavior really is, you know, that he uses his smiles and his jokes and his sweetness to pull people in and manipulate them. And to me, that is the most uh, obvious sociopathic behavior beyond all of the pimps and all of the manipulator manipulators that you see in those other films, like, the movie that makes me laugh makes me feel as though that is actually the most dangerous or he's the most dangerous personality type in all of those films. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. The, uh, I'm going to actually give the credit to Sean Baker on this one again. Um, his directing style, like makes it feel so visceral and real. And like, you know how we, I mean, we were, I wasn't being facetious, but I really do feel like it's kids meets silver linings, but you know, he has just enough of that grit and that mumblecore for it to really hit home because 
you're right. Like he, he, that is a real person, right? That's not a Hollywood dies. Like last night in Soho, by the way, I thought it was horrible. So oh, yeah, that was a bad heard. movie. That movie was, yeah. ass. it was, I mean, that was, movie. That, that was ridiculous. I, I, we're not going to go into last night in Soho, but like there was no, you know, that, that was just a Hollywood, like flashy piece of crap. I mean, like there's no other way I could put it, but yeah. Sean Baker is like, he's, he's, he lives in these like moments between real people. And I think that's really like, as a director, that's what I want to be seeing. Um, especially when you're talking about something real, you know what I mean? Like, obviously it had its problems, but as I, you know, as, as we were talking about, like that relationship with strawberry, I feel is its strongest point. And that's the crux of the film. And I really think, you know, he does a great job. Um, you know, making you buy it and saying like, Hey, this could actually happen like this in real life. If you're not careful, you know? Um, and I'm going to do just another little plug here really quick. I have a documentary on my platform called the woman captured, which is about, uh, it's a documentary, but it's about sex slavery. It's amazing. Um, and it really is informative and educational about, you know, what that world really looks like. Um, so take a look. Shameless, shameless plug. Sorry, guys. No, I, that, we're <laughs> happy to hear about, you know, more of these movies. I, I think, um, I mean, this brings up like another criticism of Baker, which I hear a lot is that he has this tendency to do, um, uh, what do they call it? Like poverty tourism, poverty porn. Poverty porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I do like these movies, I, I can't discredit that that criticism, which is, you know, I am, if you want to call me part of the coastal elite or whatever, you know, that's totally fine. Uh, I can't say that I know many people in these, these life circumstances. So is my interest in these films like uh, voyeuristic to some degree? Am I, you know, what I think is realistic? Is that just, you know, me being sort of a, a snoot, you know, and I truly don't know what it's like. I mean, that, I'm sure that's certainly part of it. Um, so I can't take myself out of that critique either, you know, as, as somebody who does like these films that are maybe more like slice of, maybe you would consider it the slice of life or or what have you. So I don't know. What do you think? Is that, am I being like, uh, not me personally, but am I ignoring those types of criticisms because I happen to like the movie or because I happen to be like this voyeuristic person. It's an interesting, it's a really interesting angle. Um, Sorry to cut you on that. You go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say like, I, you know, I enjoy movies like this, but it's, it's always weird for me because I'm like, Oh, I've been there. I know that guy. Like I've, I'm friends with him. It's, it's like, to me, it's always kind of like nostalgic. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely down, down in Texas. Like I knew, I knew people for all, parts of the socioeconomic spectrum, um, including some people who are a little like this. And that's why, you know, like a guy calling his, his mother-in-law Lil and telling him to like, come get your daughter. Like she's out of control. I'm just like, Oh, I've been awkwardly in a house when that kind of shit's happening. (laughs) Like smoking a cigarette at someone's kitchen table, just being like, Oh my God, how long is this fight going to last? Cause I just wanted to get wasted again. Um, so it, it's hard for me, especially like where I'm at now. There's a there's a running joke, uh, Matt, that I'm like the wealthiest man alive. Um, Are you? No, I'm not. But like the fact that I like 
own a home and I like my daughter goes to private school, like people are like, oh, yes. And you have a butler. Okay, but it's Catholic school. We know it's cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super cheap. Um, but like it's those things where people are like, oh, right, fine with his six butlers because his butlers have to have a butler because he won't talk to the butler who actually does things. He needs a butler right, to right. be the intermediary between the butler. And like, but like, yeah, I, Bailey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the dog is the intermediary butler. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always, it's always weird for me to watch these. Cause I do, I do wonder like who the fuck is this guy and why is he the one who's telling these stories? But I, I don't feel a level of, I didn't feel him looking down on any of these characters. I, yeah, think I didn't feel any, per, I, didn't yeah, feel any I didn't feel that either. Like, well, with all of his films, you know, like I, I hear it. And now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe. But, you know, he obviously has a point of view somehow. Uh, you know, I don't know what his history is or anything, but I don't feel any con, con, condensation. No, con. Condescension. Condescension. There we go. Yeah, it's not raining, but um, condescension or pretension about it. And the truth is, I think that, you know, underrepresented stories are important to talk about and focus on. And um, maybe, you know, I mean, it seems like a 24 agrees with me, so that's kind of cool, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's voyeuristic. Um, I don't think I have to think about that, Robin. That's a really good, it's really making me think here. Well, Um, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I think anytime God, this sounds like so fucking obnoxious, but I, I mean this phrase in terms of it's like historical value. It's like this idea of like how the other half lives. Well, mm. first of all, you know, that's positioning you as much as it's positioning somebody else when you say the other half. But historically, it does refer to, you know, poor people and the way that the way that we the, the way that journalists have taken a lens to poor people and, you know, I'm thinking of like Jacob Reese and all that stuff, all the muckrakers, uh, you know, back in the day. But I think in some ways people like Sean Baker are, uh, I'm not saying he's a muckraker, but it, it sort of takes up that mantle. Um, and it, you know, you have somebody who's in a position of power, Sean Baker, Hollywood director, whatever, hiring lots of, uh, non-working actors or, I mean, um, I don't know, like non-experienced actors and people who have fewer credentials and sets it in these places that are uh, not not as well known or maybe part of these subcultures that are that are not as typically represented. And then suddenly he is the storyteller of these spaces and of these places and of these people. And you do have to question, or it makes me wonder, like, what lens is this person in power bringing to these stories about marginalized people? And again, I don't mean that as necessarily a critique that, you know, suddenly we have to, like, cancel him or whatever. Um, uh, no, I think Robin's saying we got to cancel that. Sean Baker. No, no, I, I wanted to be clear here. Like, this is Whitter not works. necessarily coming from me personally, but I do, I do see the value in questioning the voice um, just because I, you know, I'm, I can't fact check it. I, I don't know as well. So let me ask you a question, right? So first of all, um, I mean, super valid points. The first thing that comes to mind, just like knee jerk reaction is, you know, I've 
written movie. I wrote a movie about the Syrian civil war, right? So I wasn't in the civil Syrian civil war, obviously, but I spent four years researching it. And I went to Turkey and lived there for a month to talk to Syrian refugees. And I like really did my best to tell it as, you know, I guess, honestly, as I could. Um, so I think, you know, maybe, you know, like, I don't think Sean Baker is going into Galveston, Texas or whatever. And he's saying, well, let me just like show up with my big Hollywood credentials and like show these people doing their thing because like nobody else is doing it. And I'm the one that gets to decide, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a power play. I feel like he's put a lot of thought into what's interesting to him and potentially does a lot of research. Um, I mean, I can't say that for sure, but it really comes across as, you know, non-judgmental and not pretentious because we've all seen the movie that tries to do this badly. Right. So, um, and I can't think of one, obviously at the top. I'm thinking like hillbilly elegy. Oh God. Oh, no one watched that. So it would be hard to say, but I'm going to assume that uh, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. He's not caricaturing people or like hiring Glenn close and like, you know, whatever took putting her in a fright wig. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like he, he's coming from this from a totally different place. And, um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's problematic. Although I do, the point is valid. Like I can see the other, you know, like the criticism or the critique rather, but I don't. Yeah. I don't... And I'm saying this is a fan of his movies. It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, what does it say about me that I am thinking, wow, this is authentic. Like I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, the character, the main character is not authentic. I mean, it's authentic to the character, but that person's totally made up. I think the differentiation thing is he's saying, he's not saying that everybody in Galveston, Texas is a narcissist that, you know, you know what I mean? Well, like, first of all, you got it. Th- this takes place in Texas city, which is, Oh, not excuse me. Excuse <laughs> me. That's a, I did. I said that like three times incorrectly. I know, but um, I, I finally decided to correct you. Um, thank you. cause they do go to Galveston. They are in Galveston. Yeah. And I yeah. did mention Galveston earlier. It's Galveston adjacent. Oh my yeah. God. Anyway, actually uh, Texas city is a super interesting place. I've been there like two or three times. Um, not to the places that, this movie takes place in. It's like God. You never been to Le- Leandrius? No. <laughs> um, though I mean, like you know, it seemed I did. Was, they were talking about like making barbecue or something, weren't they? We, we, we gotta we gotta talk about that whole family and that whole scene. They're like awesome. That. They're it's, the moral so center good. of this it's movie. So, it's so um, good. It's so good. But uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, Texas City is pretty nice. I, I there was a diner there that I ate at. There was a the reason I went there was because my girlfriend and I found a nest of baby birds, and um, we decided to take I them to a bird sanctuary. A nest, a nest of, of baby birds. Wait, you that? went to Texas because of a nest of baby birds? So no, I was already in Texas. I was in Houston, and we went to like a, a fucking house that her family owned. I don't even remember where it is, and we don't talk anymore, so I can't ask her. But we found. <laughs> In the, it was actually kind of a funny moment. There was an old ass grand piano. This is like a hundred year old house. And I walk over to the grand piano and I hit a key and it makes this really awful discordant noise. And then suddenly from the, 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 the chimney comes screaming. And so we walk over to the fireplace and the nest of baby birds had fallen down and the parent was dead and we weren't sure if the baby birds were going to do it. But, you know, we were like, we have to do something for these birds. 
So we called up animal control and they're like, we're not taking a fucking nest of baby birds. Um, there is a woman who runs like a private bird sanctuary and you could take it to her. And it was in Texas city. So we drove Whoa. to Texas city to this woman's like suburban home. That was actually very nice, but definitely looked like the type of place where an old lady would run a private bird sanctuary. And we gave her the birds. And then uh, we went to a diner and we learned about the fucking explosion that like destroyed Texas city. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you were, you were, you've been to Texas city, I guess. Yeah. So it's a, like, there's nice areas to it, but that, that was part of it. Like, and this is the one thing where I'm like, if this is the only thing that you know about Texas city is this movie, I could see how you would think that Sean Baker was being a dick. You know, because it's just like it's not all like refineries and fires and uh, a shockingly clean, nice looking donut shop. I mean, I was also that pink house looks amazing that Strawberry lives in. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And she's like yeah, on I, a fucking I, I, lake. It's great. Like, yeah, uh, I, 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 th- I thought it was I thought it was hilarious that she was she a the whole sequence of him, like continuously asking her to drop him off. And like, like, yeah. House. yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, but but that and also like when she pulls into her place and she's like, okay, but you know you can't you can't tell me this place is like a a, a dumpster dive, right? Like otherwise you're gonna hurt my feelings. And I'm just like, uh, it's not yeah, like yeah, dude, compared looks, to where he looks legitimately nice. lives. <laughs> Well, I mean, she doesn't know that. Right. I mean, even like even still, like comparatively, if she had dropped or if she had gone to the house like across the street from where he actually lived. okay, fine. I get it. But like her house is like nicely decorated and is like and it's it is painted well like it looks like it's got a fresh lacquer of I was paint. about to say it's it just like legitimately well, looks yeah. in many ways nicer than my house <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's just like uh, uh well, well, like I, I get it some people have weird conceptions of like you know oh the size of your house is like you know but it's just like no if you keep something nice right like like even when mikey like compliments uh uh lonnie on that vehicle right he's yeah. not complimenting him on like oh sweet ride as in like you know that buick you know 85 buick is a fucking sweet ride no he's saying like you it looks like you have maintained it fairly well yeah. right Unlike which is lil in her house yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, so, it's yeah. they, they make a point to like like Lexi's clearly got drug dependency issues. Still, I don't know what mm-hmm. Will's doing with her life, but it seems like she's watching like Judge Judge Faith. I think Judy. it was. I think I think yeah. Will was also a drug user. It's very possible. I, oh yeah. At yeah. some point, he like shouted out the window. They were making terrible life choices, right? Yeah. Were I they saw like that. taking oxy yeah. or something? I don't know uh, what I they were maybe doing. Was meth or something. Well, oh. he mentions that she was doing heroin. Um, yeah, the, so were they yeah, smoking during, during heroin or like, yeah, do, or were they just far. smoking his weed and he was pissed and they're like, well, they you know, they cut her, they've cut her pain medication. Oh yeah, I don't know about in the house. All I know is that there is a reference there to the estranged wife doing heroin. Yeah, because he said she was like smoking black tar, and I was like, well, yeah, exactly right. Pretty bad um, smoking it. <laughs> totally random did you guys know here's a little piece of imdb trivia i noticed did you notice that the lady that comes out with the shotgun is the newscaster for the car pileup 
No. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, there you go. that's funny. I don't that's know. If, I wonder if IMDb can confirm that, but I, I, I'm almost sure that that's, that's who it was. I fucking hope it is. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, well, someone looks that up, maybe. Uh, I, I do want to talk about Leandria and her family because I think yeah. that's one of the that's one of my whole like favorite side subplots. Um, sorry, I've been playing too many video games, so I almost said side quest. <laughs> that's a great side um, quest. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite, like little side things, side stories, because at first you're like, okay. And then he has that, uh, conversation with June that like goes on a little bit too, too in depth about like oral sex and why he would receive like a share in receiving an award for getting oral sex. And I, I love that sequence because you're just like, whoa, this guy is into his own shit, but he has no idea that other people are not into his own shit. Like, right. He's like, oh, as- I can 100% talk to this person about the intricacies of getting blown on camera. And she's like, please fucking stop, you monster. Well, there's, yeah, also, she- yeah, there's also a point to be made there. Like, why is he getting the award for that? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, love that, yes. I love that she starts off with the girls doing all the work. And then later on, Strawberry's like, not only is the girl doing all the work on you, she's also doing it with like five other guys. So clearly the award was for her. Yeah. And he's just like, no, man, no. Like, oh, we're all a team. It's the, you, you don't get it. Like, I, I was 100%. I, I was the was dick like a, that made all the difference. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was a little punch, like a little, um, what's the word? Like a little, you know, like a little kick to the porn industry and like the, you know, I don't know. The, the way way awards are divvied out. Well, look, man, yeah, if you're in yeah. the scene I, and, and it's like the best oral scene, I guess it makes sense. But like, you know, it does seem weird. Sure, there there are producers, <laughs> sorry, uh, there are producers and things like that that share, you know, Academy Award you know, they they get their name and the thing, you know, even yeah. though it's kind of it. yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of, you know, seen as the director's thing. But, you know, it's also funny because a lot of times the producers are the ones that like are known for like taking that moment to like be like thanks for the award and everybody's kind of, you know, that isn't involved in the industry is probably just like, what? What? Yeah. Who the who? What? You're not the director. Like, what the fuck are you doing on stage yeah. right now? You know, I if it was a slight. You know, I mean, it, maybe it might, might be, but uh, no. I, I, the I, AVNs. I, yes. Well, all, okay. well, oh, I, you've been to the AVNs? No, no. I, I, I was <laughs> trying to clarify if we were talking about the AVNs. Oh, well, I'm, I, I'm now. It's bigger than the AVNs now. I'm thinking about like, I wonder if it's a slight at just like the award process. You know what I mean? Like, didn't might they kind of used to stop? The, there used to be only three producers listed on a film and now there's like 10 and they all go up and share this award, even though they had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Kinda- Cause like, wasn't it, it was, it was the year that like uh moonlight mm-hmm. one, but like another movie was claimed Green to Book. have won for, oh, yeah, no, 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 it was La La Land. Yeah, that was, oh, it. was La La Land, And sorry. like, I just remember that like by the time everyone got up there, it was like 20 fucking people. Because like yeah, yes. every time you're a well, producer, it's, well, it's that. People, oh, hold on, hold on. Outs- oh. People who go up for best picture are not always just the producers. 
it's oftentimes like the whole cast and all that kind of stuff. Well, but yes, yes. supposed to take it? Like they're the ones who get it. Like that. The, yeah, when they the, the people the whole best picture thing is like. Yes, the whole best picture is the wrap up of the show, and everybody that's involved in that. Sh- Unless in that you film think Chadwick Boseman's going to win, and then the last wrap up is a uh, best actor, sure. and we get to see sure. a non-present Anthony Hopkins get it. Yeah, right. but it yeah, no, it's, it's 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 definitely like yeah. There's definitely like usually a mass pile on of people where yeah, they just start showing up out of the woodwork. But no, it, it, I think only like four or five trophies are handed out during that that sequence. So, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Leandria and her family. Uh, the fact that after all of this shit goes down, and she is sitting there looking at her two offspring and is like, we're having a family meeting after this. And you could tell <laughs> the son was fucking pissed. He was like, this is going to take, he was like, this is going to take like three hours. Like this is going to be some bullshit. <laughs> you know, you're just like, wow. But um, on top of that, I don't want to pivot too far, but I, I love that sequence when he is basically being told this is before uh, he confronts Leandria about like why like June and, and her goonies like came over and he is like being shown the door. Right. And he's he you could just see it. And I was just thinking it so much that he was either going to get shot or just get just fucking like beat up so bad and he keeps just running his mouth he just cannot help himself he's in a bad situation and he just can't see himself out of that situation i was so surprised is his his superpower yeah for sure there's a certain point where you gotta learn to shut the fuck up and he never did like i'm so happy Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, he's talking about, like, folding the clothes and, like, just won't shut up while he's folding the clothes until they're eventually like, oh, my God, motherfucker, like, get out. Yeah, but that's where, but that's ends up being a saving grace. Yeah. Because the more he gets irritating and distracting, the easier for him to worm his way out of the situation <laughs> the fact that he was sleeping butt naked definitely threw uh uh oh brother uh for a loop for sure yeah. Dude, um i was you know i was so worried there i was like i, I mean was, i was viscerally like uh when i thought that they were gonna kill him or shoot him or something i'm so happy that sean baker did not go that direction and make this like a weird twisty thriller at the end for some reason Mm-hmm. And the way he executed him, like getting kicked out of the house, I thought was just like so much better and like so refreshing that he didn't feel the need to throw in a murder or a gun or a stabbing or something. And, yeah, no, no one even gets punched. <laughs> like no, nobody even gets punched, right? Yeah, like, like there's really no well. no physical violence that actually happens in that sequence because just the also threat of yeah, these yeah. two very large black men are just staring there, and it's just like okay, like you know, he's he's dumb, but he's not dumb enough to be to look at that situation and go, yeah, I can win, right? He's right. just like fuck, I'm fucked, and while I'm you know being Jesus, why do I keep 
doing this. Um, while, while I'm, I'm not going to say, gonna say railed again, weren't you? No, I was going to say while he's being fucked, but yeah, not literally. But you know, there's like, these two huge guys in the room with him, and they're just fucking him. <laughs> they're fucking the shit out of him. Nice. And they all but, get the award. There's yeah. a there's a thing. There's, there's a thing on TikTok where like it's it's a it's a it's a recording of like a bunch of guys playing. I guess like I don't know Call of Duty or something. And it's it's always used by like someone who just looks confused, like listening to it. And it's like you know your boyfriend is playing a game with his friends, and it's like two guys coming, two guys coming. I'm on top, I'm on bottom. They're like just, like, <laughs> oh, and that's wow. just like the wait until I come around. Of, that's yeah. the entire inside of Bill's head, <laughs> like right now. Is <laughs> well, speaking, well, speaking of sexual things, man, I have been, I have been. So, oh my God, here's, here's my pun, right? I've been really hard trying to get <laughs> penises on screen. Like, I think that it's not fair all the time that during sex scenes, it's like the woman is nude and the man gets to like do whatever he wants. And I've been fighting for this in my own movie about male frontal nudity because it's important for the film. And I'm really happy that Sean Baker did it. I'm really, I, I hate Pam and Tommy, the TV show, but I'm kind of happy that they did it too. And I want to normalize the fact that if we're going to do like a, a sex scene or whatever, then it should be both people being nude, right? I mean, like, am I so wrong in thinking that? No, I it think has you're made right. a comeback. I mean, it's and speaking of puns. Um, I mean, beyond <clears throat> Pam and Tommy, I know it's I know Euphoria has had a lot of full frontal male nudity, and in fact, there was another. There was like an actually an article about this about I think maybe it was like speaking to about how aesthetics people <laughs> about um, this. That's awesome. Phenomenon. I mean, like instead of having the Merkin, now you're just having like the fake penis, uh, or like which is which is a uh, yeah, like another bunch of bullshit. Like like if you show me the real dick, motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like what? What the fuck are we doing here? Like 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 if an actress takes off her top, like there are there have been some famous instances where there's like body doubles and stuff like that, and. Like, like I've even seen like uh, interviews where people like some of the actresses are talking about like, yeah, I got to pick out my own pair of tits and just like, okay, this this is fucking weird. Was it was it was it it Lars von Trier talking about the opening of Antichrist where he's like, I I got I used a body double for Willem Dafoe because his penis was too large. It was like distressingly large. And I thought it would distract people for the rest of the movie. I read that it was his real penis especially spoiler alert at the end when it gets smashed you know and then comes blood yeah i do Uh, not think that was his penis getting smashed no no of course not but before the press before the um blood part i think the 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 first shot where you see it i read i think i read that that was him doing full frontal Mm -hmm. but i i have i have heard about this rumor of the size of his penis for whatever reason. Okay, I am on. And, right, I am on. Corners of the internet are the, it's the, uh, I was on Facebook in a very appropriate, like funny, like uh, Facebook group, and for whatever reason, it came up that it was like weird facts about like blank <laughs> character, and then someone else was like, "Do you want to talk about Willem Dafoe? I have a very interesting, you know, fact about him and." Someone was like, what? And it okay, turned wait. into a whole fucking thread. I have so, found, yeah. I have found, 
It's in the L magazine. There are images. There are I'm images not looking at images. There. I found a, a recreation of the interview. Um, the Boston Phoenix film editor, Peter Keo talking to Lars von oh, Trier. And he said, um, it's, uh, da, 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 da. yeah. Uh, all, uh, and Lars von Trier says all that was kind of what you could read up to in the film. I wouldn't let her treat it in that way with his dick. He has an enormous dick, but that maybe I also, he's extremely well-equipped and we had to kind of take the scenes out of the film. We had to stand in for him. We had to take the scenes out with his own dick. And then Peter says, hold on. You had a stand-in dick? You had to have a stand-in dick for Defoe. And Von Trier says, yes, yes. We had to have because Will's own was too big. Wow. And Peter says, too big to fit in the screen? And Von Trier, <laughs> Von Trier laughing says, no, too big because everyone got very confused when they saw it. Whoa. And, and, <laughs> Lars, man. <laughs> What do you mean, Lars? And so they home. talk a little more, and Lars von Trier says, especially when he, and then Peter ejects and says, when he ejaculates blood, that was, uh, and Lars says, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the double. Mm. So, well, yeah, yeah. Also a big yeah. Johnson, though, in that scene, too. So, you know. Yeah, didn't didn't knock off much there. Yeah, yeah, I was saying, but. Um, Confu- anyway, I just love that. Just like, dressingly large. Confusingly large. Just like you'd see it, you'd be like, I'm sorry, whom? we need to address this for the rest just of the day. Dressing evening. to whom? <laughs> okay. But no, I, I, I think, I think uh, our guest brings up a good point that, like, there we is, there is a long. Th- no, it doesn't have to be big dicks, but, you know, dicks, just let's, let's have some dicks. Justice um, for Willem Defoe's Willie. If it makes sense for the film, put it like I have a character that's going manic and, you know, ha- needs gets naked because that's a, what manic people do sometimes. And mm-hmm. I had people I had producers and finance people fighting me. They say, you know, you can't be naked in the pool. And I said, well, why not? You know what I mean? Like it's totally in line with how the disease would actually show itself. So I kept it and I'm going to fight for it. So it's nice to see that. um it's you know it's kind of I'm not the only one that thinks well, that double standard. I, I think I think there's something hilarious about like in this sequence in particular that we're kind of talking about is he's like running butt ass naked through the streets and yeah like you get a laugh out of it because they kind of show his buttocks at first but when they pull around and. Sh- and show his penis just like jingling around there you're just it's like holy jingling. shit <laughs> you're was just like you're I, um, just like holy shit this is hilarious like it just say? it's, it's that the only time on the we see his dick right on the strawberry cake what what <laughs> it was i said the it's the icing, icing on the strawberry cake oh okay. yes yeah. It should have been um, the cherry sure. on the strawberry cake. There it is. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna skip over every possible pun and double entendre I could make to just say that's the one time in the movie we see his dick, right? Yeah, I I think so. Like, yeah, it's like a the mo- big so. reveal. It's a movie the about a, a male porn star. You'd expect that you're gonna see his dick, but the only yeah. time you see it is when he is naked, running for his fucking life. Yeah, to try to like well, it talk to apocryphal. Lil, or not. All Lil. he does is talk about his huge dick. Does he mm-hmm. really? Because he's not mythology. like, but being big, I don't think was his claim to fame. I think he thinks he had his like, name star is Mikey Saber. 
I, every fucking male porn star, even if they don't have a big dick, has got to have a dick-like name. But I don't I mean, think Brian, I. Th- I think the reason it's a saber is because he knows how to fucking use it. Yeah, he brought up a good point. I don't think he he doesn't brag about the size of it much. He talks about like how amazing he is as a performer. Yeah, he's a fucking star, is- man. Like these, yeah. people, like I made those <laughs> scenes. I made like the things that I did. Like no one else could do the things I did. I'm fucking sorry. I'm fucking cursing so much, but like. <laughs> It's the antithesis of Boogie Nights seeing the dick reveal. So I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's like a decent dick. Yeah. <laughs> Especially flaccid, right? Like that's pretty good uh, flaccid. <laughs> that also means that it's not gonna get much bigger than that, you know? So like that's Maybe. it. That's Maybe. Is How he a shower know? or a grower? That's yeah. usually you're a grower or a shower, and he seems like he's a shower. Like I don't think it's gonna get a lot larger than that. Okay. Well Colorado. I now mean, let's you go all, around the horn and say somewhere. what we are. Bill Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a grower. Thank you. <laughs> was, was not expecting <laughs> any answer for that. <laughs> That's all right. I don't care. Same, I guess. <laughs> I'm I'll married. That. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay. Neither. <laughs> all I know is you fathered a child. You're virile. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did indeed father a child. Oh, wow. This is going viral. I can feel it. <laughs> Brian it's Rowan bags about aisle. having penis and fathering child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit>. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, are we? Is there anything else we'd like to talk about? We've been we've been going for a while. Um, I know that our our guest probably has a life they need to get back to. I'm sure Bill and and Robin and I don't. Uh, no, I gotta yourself, wake up. At, I gotta wake up early. So yeah. No, no. I think I think I'm happy. I think we touched on it. I was a little nervous. We weren't gonna touch on all my criticisms, but I think we got it all out of the way. <laughs> and we got all my, my Sean Baker applause moments out of the way too. So I, I feel pretty comfortable. Right. So good. It's a balanced, it's nuanced portrait of your feelings towards the film. Uh, yeah, Robin Barr, yeah. this was in your top 10. Did you have any other stuff you yeah. wanted to talk about? It's for a movie about all of these terrifying aspects of humanity. It's a pretty good time. <laughs> I don't know that I'd ever watch it again, and I also don't know that I'd ever uh, recommend it to a single human being that I'm still friends with. I would recommend it to people. Actually, yeah, I'd, I'd probably recommend, recommend it. it to all my friends in Texas, just because I could be like, hey, check it out. <laughs> I mean, listen, if I saw it at a film festival and it wasn't an A24 movie, I would have tried to buy it for my platform. So I think uh, I think he did a good job. Like, all in all, I think he did a good job. Yeah, I just th- I, and like I'm not saying I would never recommend it to anyone. Like I know people from my past, I would recommend it to, but I'm not about to like reach out to someone I haven't spoken to in seven years and say Red Rocket, check it out. Oh, right on. Yeah, my mom's not going to get the recommendation either. Oh my god, no! I can only I can only imagine if I had brought this to Texas and like watched it with my parents, what they would have said to me. But they're not Texans. No, I mean they. <laughs> They I haven't cared about question. the Texas aspect, but remember they watched The Favorite with me and my mother said that Yorgos Lanthimos should be shot. Whoa. <laughs> it's He's still, a good director, man. <laughs> it's still my favorite piece of film criticism I've ever heard. Just like that's, the that's second hard. his name pops up, she's like, that's the director? He should be shot. And I'm just wow. like, whoa. Fucking harsh. Harsh as shit. Yeah. Did she see Dogtooth? No, no. Because <laughs> I, I didn't show her Dogtooth. Um, yeah, the favorite's delightful. So, all, I mean, I it think must be the opposite of your mother. 
There was there was another movie that she said was a movie that was trying to be a movie, and I was like, that is also the most succinct and brilliant piece of film criticism I've ever heard. <laughs> I succinct. also felt that way about that movie. What movie was it? I can't remember. I'll have to go back because I know that uh I'll I'll remember it at some point. And I know I've brought it up on this podcast before. It might have been so, La La Land, final question. in all honesty. I think she might have no, watched geez. La La Land and said, Brian, did you like La La Land? And I was like, no, man. She's like, it felt like a movie that was trying to be a movie. And I was like... Yeah, it's not a movie. Yeah, it's no, not. It's not, it's not really good. a movie. It's not very good at all. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's, I'm glad to hear it. Because that was one of those movies where we did a podcast on it. I was like, oh shit, we all hated it? I was like, the numbers yeah. suggest <laughs> we, that one of felt, us should have liked it. Yeah. Well, but also we were very much in the critical minority on that film. Oh we yeah. Were I like, know. This horrible. feels weird. I feel like a lot of people hated that movie. I feel yeah. like a lot of people. I, I think, I think that that's, movie. yeah, that's, that's turned over time. I feel like coming out of that film, yeah. there was definitely like a lot of like rose colored glasses in terms oh God, of talking about that film. I tried to watch it again. Cause I was questioning myself. And I was like, no, this is shit. And turned it off after like seven. Yeah. <laughs> God well, I've, right. I've also just discovered that I don't like uh, uh, human uh, musicals. So, right. You know. So there you go. Yeah. Just um, animal musicals. Just, just animated. Only, oh, okay. only them pictures, baby. Um, like but uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, anyways, I have a final question for y'all. If we were at strawberries donut shop, what donut would y'all get? Oh man, I mean, I Ooh, I'm usually like a, a chocolate cup. <laughs> I like a I'm maple go- bar. I like a chocolate covered, and I like a glazed. Uh, I'll, I'll also right. do like a double chocolate, like a chocolate cake glazed that's also got chocolate on it. Classico. That's when Dude, I'm. I'm that's what I'm feeling like. Fuck my life. Like just like I'm gonna die someday. So why bother? Yeah, I'm getting a donut right now. Wow. Ooh. Ooh, and LA is like the donut capital <laughs> exactly, of America. Exactly. Oh, right. I I watched half a documentary about the reason for that. Did did any of you watch Was that? The donut, the donut king. Donut king. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna see it now. It's a. Oh, it's there's pretty, a documentary on that. The half yeah. that I saw was pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> It's, I had to uh, check that out. It was super interesting. I think I probably would have rather read like a New Yorker profile, but it was still, I was still interesting. <laughs> Something under two hours. I don't know how long it was, but it definitely <laughs> fills in a lot and like explains a lot about donut culture, uh, you know, west of the Mississippi. Oh man. The last thing about that two hour thing, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Netflix, I think it's Netflix, maybe it's Hulu, but one of the streamers now has a section that says, 90 minute movies and it's oh, like they have to yeah. preface it because there's so few out there now you know what i mean yeah <laughs> um bothers me so much my my go-to if i'm gonna have a donut is blueberry cake donuts thank wow. you oh interesting that, that, that's a that's an interesting choice even exist the donut yeah King that's a standard that's a standard to one me, that's standard? like when people tell me that they like jalapeno cheddar bagels. I just think like that Ugh. doesn't. That's not well, a real Well, they're from. Bagel. They're not from New York, obviously. If that's well, obviously. Yeah, um, they go to Einstein's for sure. Yeah, these these little these little blueberry tiny. donuts. No. Yeah, blueberry cake donut is definitely a popular thing. I've seen it all the time at my local donut shops, and we're not talking about like five dollar donuts. We're talking about like. <laughs> You know, oh my god! Can we talk about $2? the fact that they get a large cappuccino, a large black coffee, oh, a fucking $6? pile of donut holes, and like fourteen for donuts bucks. for six dollars? It was amazing. 
Wait, what are you talking about? I'm moving the to movie Texas. when he goes and yeah. he's like, I'm buying everything. Oh, yeah. I'm buying everything. And then they're like, okay, yeah, well, give me this, give me that. And he's that like, salary, like the the equivalent salary. <laughs> so no. Well, no. Yeah. But yeah, that's an unsustainable business model for sure. But, you know, I guess volume is your is your priority there. But like, yeah, when when she gives him the bill, I was just like, what the fuck? I was fuck? like, oh, like, it's going to be like I, a $30 bill and he's going to be like, oh, I only have a 20. And instead it's like, here's six bucks. And I was like, wow, go Dude. fuck yeah. yourself. That's what it was like. <laughs> When I when I would go drinking in D.C. before going to Houston and then drinking in Houston and in D.C. I'd be like, I've had three drinks. I'm paying 80 fucking dollars. And then in oh, Houston, yeah. I'd be like blackout drunk. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I finished two bottles of tequila. What's my what's my total? And they're like, here it is. And I'm like, twelve dollars. Yeah. Here's a hundred. I hope you find love. And then I'd stumble up. <laughs> Very generous. Because <laughs> I had like already written it off in my head because I was like, well, this is going to cost me a mortgage. And then they're just like, no, here here in Texas, you can eat yourself and drink yourself stupid for $14. There's a there's an interesting theory about why restaurants have stuck with like the tips uh, in restaurant industries. And it's because when you look at the menu, you're paying with one hand when you're tipping, you're paying with another hand. And so you don't put those things together. You're not looking at the menu item and adding tip to it. You're like, oh, it's $14.99. Cool. I'm going to pay $14.99 for that. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you should be like, I'm paying $17.99 for right. that. Right. Right. Wow. And so, Marketing. you know, yeah, you pay for one hand and, you know, out the other. And that's why, you know, the the shipping, the free shipping is another thing where people like, are just like free shipping. Fuck. Yeah. Like, just give me that thing. And they don't realize, no, it's not free shipping. You're paying for the shipping. You just don't see the price. Right. Right. Yeah. Marketing, man. It's beautiful. uh, Hold another podcast about that one. Now I want a donut. I know. (laughs) You know, okay. I had this argument. Well, I had this discussion with somebody today and we all agreed that donuts are not a dessert. You do not eat a donut after a meal. You eat it as its own thing. It's 100%. breakfast or snack. It is never a dessert. Breakfast? What are you? Yeah, wait, I mean, who are you that yeah. you just said breakfast like that? Of course, donuts a fucking breakfast. Yeah, this is this I is definitely heard. like a, a southern thing. America runs on Dunkin'. A time to make oh, the donuts. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say the last time I had a donut for breakfast was like on a really bad film set. That is like, because you live in LA and you have to have your like avocado and um, egg scramble. Right. You yeah, get your like, donuts at like 2 a.m. when you're still coming down oil. from the bad Coke you got from your valet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You need no, your man. grain bowl in the morning. I just I can't start my day with a donut. That's right, you crazy. get your acai bowl, and then like oh, you just have some too, kombucha. Man. It's yeah, acai bowls are fucking. Then you shoot some heroin, and then you do some coke to come up from the heroin, and then you that's get right. a goddamn donut at a Cambodian donut so shop. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we know all you Hollywood types. Oh uh, yeah, the um, no audience. I do not do all that stuff. <laughs> audience, he does that. <laughs> platform creator 
If yeah. you know where to get good coke, reach out to Matt. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, I'm getting like You want to know how to get involved in the porn industry of San Fernando Valley? Oh my god. Oh strongly worded letter from my PR rep. <laughs> 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 all right all let's right. get the fuck out of, here. out of here yeah that's good um that's how, that's what we should end on is the, the plug of his matt post needs good cocaine <laughs> no, oh man. boy all right yeah so that's 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 yeah. all for today uh we today we talked about uh red rocket which is currently available to watch places <laughs> And I don't even know where it's available to watch. It's at, it's at Watch Places. Yeah, you can know. Google it. Go to JustWatch.com and look up Red Rocket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's going to be on the major platforms, but it's definitely on Apple as well. So Yes, it is 100% it's, it's, it's available, available for VOD. And it is, in fact, playing in some theaters still. So you can feel free to check that shit out. Um, it's definitely worth a view. It's definitely worth a view. Um so yeah, check it out. Uh, as for us, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, the Filmstage Show. Don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial of movie. And don't forget that we are uh, brought to you by the assistance of our fine patrons. Go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And uh, yeah, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? I believe we're doing The Batman. The Speaking Batman. of movies that are ungodly long. Mm-hmm. Oh God! What does that one ring out to? It's like fucking it's three, hours, three hours, right? Oh my God! It's close I'm, to it. I'm going to be completely it. honest with you. I don't know if <laughs> like that's just a lot for me. That's like, fine. Like well, that's maybe we we'll find. Yeah. We'll, a, a, no, I mean ugh, no, because it's coming out March fourth, right? So I'll be able to watch it on Friday. I will. I will. In fact, watch the Batman. It's fine. I want. I want you guys to bring me back for another episode, but not for the Batman, please. Don't worry. We, we know that you have taste. <laughs> Thank you very much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. Well, looking forward to speaking about the Batman uh, with all of you. Can't wait Maybe to talk we'll about love the Batman. It. Who knows? <laughs> what was that? I'm probably going to love it. Maybe we'll love it. I don't know. Matt Reeves hasn't made a movie I've liked in ever. 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 <laughs> It might be ever. Um, yeah. He directed that's Cloverfield. True. I did kind of like Cloverfield, so I guess that's that's going for me, right? Yeah, yeah. But oh, although Clo- for the plenty. although Ten Cloverfield Lane was better, so Ten Cloverfield Lane was a lot better. What's he up to? That was Trachtenberg, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. He'd better get on something. As for the person who made uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, they should be shot. That one's for you, Ma. Anyway, let's tell the fine people where you can be found. We do now and the next time that we're shouting in their ears about porn stars. We begin with our guests, Matt Post. Where can people find you online? And if you'd like, uh, please plug your your streaming service again. Yeah, uh, Instagram is watch underrated um, or me personally is ML underscore post. And the streaming platform is watchunderrated.com doing a intro special of $5.99 a month or $30 for the whole year. Lock it in forever. So um, hope to see you all on the platform watching awesome movies very soon. Hell yeah. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me online at Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram. And uh, if you're wondering about what happened to Daniel Trachtenberg, uh, he was on the Uncharted uh, movie, but uh, he exited it shortly.
after it was announced. And then it looks like he's going to be doing a fifth Predator film called Prey. Wow. It's called Prey? Yeah, it's called Prey. That's stupid. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, that uh, that Uncharted movie came out. You know, that movie that people Mm -hmm. have been talking about for like over a decade? It finally happened and it was released and no one seems to care. Yep. Nope. It made a decent amount of money. I don't know what you're talking about. I just like it's like I don't feel like it was either like rapturously received or like dragged. I feel like it just came out and people are like, oh, there's a movie in a theater. Yeah, it's also February. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, like whenever people talk about Tom Holland, they basically just talk about how cute he is. (laughs) I've never talked about Tom Holland in my life. You're talking about him right now, Robin. No, is he cute? All right. I can't even picture what his face looks like. It's uh kind of it's like not he's kind of round but a little narrow. Um and he's got some eyes. Mm. Anyway, uh Robin Barr, where can people find your life online? You can find me on Twitter at Robin R O B Y N B A H R. That's my name. Uh you can also find me on Letterboxd at that same uh username. Uh for people who look at my letterbox, please remember I only rate out of four stars. I don't <laughs> believe in the fifth star, so I'm actually kinder to films than people think. The fifth star uh, is a lie. It is a lie. And uh, I, you can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for me, you can find my personal site, BrianJerone.com. Uh, all of my writing and stuff is over at TheFilmStage.com. If you have any interest in uh, finding out about the liquor that I make, you can go to SchmidtSpirits.com. And you can find me on all social media sites at BrianJerone. Um, and don't forget that you can find every episode of this podcast over at thefilmstage.com as well. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time.